Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey Podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the Bar Network. Today is episode 17. Join us as we discuss biblical just war theory. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media platforms. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find out all the other ways that you can support us and you can connect with us. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good." But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoers. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Locust and Honey Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Andrew. And... This is what do we say after that? <laughs> this is going to be a good episode. This usually this is going to be a good episode. We could just say this is the Locust the Honey podcast. This is, but then that's redundant. <laughs> keep doing it just over and over going. again. Well, yeah. we are glad that you are here today. Yay, we Andrew. Need a, we need a button. Like we they do have on Pastors Talk. The, yeah, the applause. We need an applause button. Yay! <laughs> oh goodness, Andrew, what? Are you into, bro? Um. Well, I am into. So baseball is getting started, at least for the little ones, and for college baseball and high school baseball. And so that's all. That's that's interesting. I always enjoy watching the first few college baseball games. Um. Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't watch them really. I I I see them when they come up, and then I watch like. A little bit of them, but it makes me happy to see them up there. But the MLB, Major League Baseball, is in the middle of a labor dispute, Mm. and they're in a lockout. And so they've already postponed the first two series of the season, which means that they're not going to start till like the middle of May. Um, And that's a bummer. I don't like it. Well, whose side are we on? Uh... It's always hard to tell with these things, um, but I think me personally, just for the reasons that the players have given as to what they want, um, I'd say I'm probably on the player side. We um, want the rich to make more money. Well, then you're on, if you're not, then you're on the owner's side, and they're richer. <laughs> so, um, I mean, yeah, I'd say I'm probably on the player side because see, they're they're big thing is trying to get younger players paid better. So with baseball, not to go too far into this, but in order to get to the big leagues, you've got to you've got to devote a lot to it. 
and you really kind of have to sacrifice other possible career paths to get there. Yeah. Um, you just got to go all in, you know, uh, and, and, and the way that baseball works today is you've got to be in the major leagues for 10 years in order to get a, a, a um, like retirement plan. Yeah. A pension. Um, and I think that the players are trying to get that lowered and trying to get younger players who make it to the big leagues paid a little bit more. And I think they're also trying to get minor leaguers paid a little bit more because minor leaguers make like, yeah, a, not a lot, not much, right. you know, um, like less than the average person minor leaguers make. Um, yeah. So I don't know. For those reasons, I'd say I'm probably on the player side. All right. So anyway, I like it. Yeah, that's what I'm into. That hopefully resolves itself see <laughs> what about freddie freeman yeah, and freddie freeman i'm scared see that's the thing i'm scared about is because once they come to an agreement all of a sudden free agency is gonna just all just snap into place and everyone who's signing wherever they're signing is gonna go immediately to that place and so like whenever this happens i know we're gonna figure out what freddie freeman's doing and i don't know man i don't know i i i would kind of be surprised if he stays with our beloved braves yeah just from what I've heard. Well, if he would stay for another 10 years, Elijah could fill his role. That's true. Yeah. Elijah, my oldest son, is a first baseman this year, and he's enjoying it. Yeah. Having fun. First base is fun. I, that's what I played. Yeah. First base. I thought you pitched. I pitched, and then... I thought you struck I... out Freddie Freeman. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> I struck... We, we talked about this before, on a previous episode, but I struck out someone named Clint Frazier. And Clint never reached out to us to be He never show. did. He never did. That's unfortunate. But yeah. they... Uh, all of my nephews and their friends think that I struck out Freddie Freeman. Yeah, so which, my son's heard he struck out somebody that's in the MLB. Yeah. And they went around telling all their buddies that Uncle Andrew struck out Freddie Freeman. <laughs> So. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, for us, that's like someone saying that their uncle struck out Chipper Jones or something. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. But, no, I didn't strike out Freddie Freeman. He probably would hit the ball 450 miles on me. Miles? Miles, yeah, he'd go that far. That's far. But, uh, anyway, that's what I'm into. So, cool. What are you into? Well, I am into reading cool <laughs> <laughs> so elijah he's starting to read more and more and um and so we've gotten to the point now that he is working through the lion the witch and the wardrobe the and we're going to go through all of the the narnia books we're skipping the first one and just starting with lion witch and the wardrobe and then going from there mm -hmm. but um so that's been cool uh there's a podcast that i like and if you like podcasts, check it out. It's called Stories or Soul Food with N.D. Wilson and another guy. <laughs> Sorry, other guy. <laughs> Sorry, editor. I don't remember your name, but I like him too. Yeah. I like them together. But that podcast I really like. What I'm trying to do with Elijah is get him to develop an appetite for good stories and be able to not just read, but then critically think about what he's reading and not just be taught how to think of movies or books or stories in general but to ask questions about them and what could he have added to that story to make it a better story or where was there inconsistencies and that kind of thing um so we are working through narnia together 
right now I'm reading it to him and uh, as he gets older he'll be able to kind of pick it up but he's having fun with it it's cool reading and him listening and then we talk about it and ask questions and uh, all of that so it, it's been cool I've enjoyed that yeah so that's what I'm into um, leaders or readers I'm trying to get him into reading as well now I have not always been a reader I've hated reading uh, I've been making myself read more and more and the more I read the more you can develop an appetite for reading so yeah. but that's been fun uh, looking at that and then once we get done with the Narnias, when he's probably when he's 10, so in another year and a half, two years, we're going to start going through Lord of the Rings and reading those. Yeah. And so that would be kind of like an affirmation of what I'm into, but a denial <laughs> of what I'm into. I am not into the new Lord of the Rings trailer in series that's coming to Amazon. Yeah, I've seen it one I've seen the trailer one time. Yeah. Uh, I'm not into it at all. Did you know that they spent right at 1 billion dollars on the first two seasons? Man. And everybody who is that likes Lord of the Rings at all, nobody's happy about it. So, they've that's Yeah, they uh mm. they wanted to do this big Never before done. So, like, to put it in perspective, Game of Thrones that HBO did, which was uh, the biggest hit series, and they're wanting to do that but better, they would spend, on average, around $15 million, um, up to, I think, $20, 25000000 million on one episode towards the end when they had this huge following. Mm -hmm. But they were, on average, they I think they started off, like, between 8 and 12 million per episode i don't even know how you get to a billion <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. they bought the rights and the rights was like 450 million just for the rights right and then after that everything else they built studios and all that but like it looks like uh so on stories or soul food they were talking about it and they described it well they said it looks like um a hallmark movie had a baby with like something stupid <laughs> <laughs> it looks so dumb yeah um but it'll be shot well i guess but the the i don't know i'm not excited about it and i like lord of the rings but i am not looking forward to this series that's coming out yeah but one of the big things in lord of the rings is you've got all of these wars that are being fought yes Let's talk about war today. All right. Let's give it a a really um, $5 word and make it super theological. Okay. What and let's you... call it biblical yeah. just war theory. Uh, we've created a monster. <laughs> All right. So um, biblical just war theory. So... Like you said, it is a large item word, big ticket item. Um, and I think we should probably break it down a little bit to make it a little bit more um, suitable for us common folk. I like it. Let's do it. All right. So uh, let's start off by talking about war. War. What is it good for? 
What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Except for when it is. Except for when it is. That's right. Um, so, let's see. Does, is war always bad? Okay. Yeah. Would you, war. is war always good? No. No. But I also would say it's not always bad. Okay. War is not always bad. But what do we do with the thought then, if we're going to say war is not always bad, people are going to confront us and they're going to say, well, there's killing in war. Right. You know, I've had people that have asked me before too, if I'm a soldier, am I guilty of murder if I go to war? Yeah. And so, yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, war in general, for those that have been in war, it's not pleasant. Um, there's a lot of harm that happens. There's a lot of atrocities that happen and that kind of stuff. Uh, even, like, the most, like, hardened military guys, um, being in that state for a while, once they get out and they decompress, some people have a hard time dealing with the things that they've seen and done and all of that. Um, and then they look back and they're like, well, you know, that was rough. That was bad, that situation. If there's a God, how can all of this evil exist, mm. you know? So first and foremost, I would start by saying war is a byproduct of sin. And it's a byproduct of the fallen world. If Adam and Eve had have never sinned, there would be no war. Uh, but because they did and sin in the world, there is a lust for stuff, whether that's something that our neighbor has, whether that's something that somebody else has. And a lot of wars have been fought over that. Some other guy's wife, some other guy's land, some other guy's house. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so those wars happen, and that's because of sin. Um, but as far as the people serving in a military, there are are they also just as guilty of killing people as a mass mass murderer, you right. know? And I would say the answer to that is no. The reason I would say that is look at Adam and Eve. Um, Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree and both were guilty of doing that. But who was held accountable for that? Mm -hmm. Well, Adam. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> That's an answer. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I see where you're going with this. <laughs> but, yeah, Adam Adam was held responsible, yeah. even though they both ate, and Eve ate first. But Adam was over Eve. And God has instituted different... God has established different institutions, and he's given them a higher hierarchy structure, higher, higher, hierarchical, hierarchism, hierarchical, 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 those that are at the top and then dwindling out are more responsible for things than people on the outer 
echelons of that hierarchy. So Eve was guilty of eating the fruit, but Adam was responsible. And I think we've kind of talked about this before. But it's the same thing in the military. So ultimately, a president that chooses to go to war, and in our case, a a government system that goes to war because of the president wanting to go to war as commander-in-chief and the House and the Senate affirming that we're going to go to war, those people are ultimately responsible for that war that happens. Then you have the soldiers that are going, and they are under the authority of the commander-in-chief, and then they're under the authority of the generals, and then they're under the authority of the company commander, and they're under the authority of their platoon sergeant, and they're under the—you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then their squad leader. So, like, there's all this structure. So the the average military soldier, um, they're doing what they've been told to do, uh, and then most of those guys are fighting for— themselves and their their brothers mm-hmm. that they're there with you know and um so are they guilty of murder the answer is no and the reason is that that they are doing what the government was called to do and i'm going to read the westminster confet nope and i'm going to read the baptist faith and message nope <laughs> <laughs> strike two I'm going to read the Baptist Confession of Faith, 1689, and chapter 24 talks about the civil magistrate. It says that God, the supreme Lord and King of all the world, has ordained civil magistrates to be under him over the people for his own glory and the public good. And to this end hath armed them with the power of the sword for defense and encouragement of them that do good and for the punishment of evildoers. Then paragraph two says, it is lawful for Christians to accept and execute the office office of a magistrate when called thereunto in the management whereof, as they ought especially to maintain justice and peace according to the wholesome laws of each kingdom and commonwealth. So So for that end, they may lawfully now under the New Testament, wage war upon just and necessary occasions. And so Scripture tells us that we can go to war at certain times for certain reasons, but ultimately it's for the peace of the people that that magistrate is over. We want their peace. And because sin is a thing and there are thugs in the world and there are bullies and there are sinners that lust after wealth and land and all of that stuff. Uh, there are people that are going to war. So a, a great example would be what's going on right now in the world. You've got mm-hmm. Putin who's invaded Ukraine because one, he wants, he wants that land for himself. He views that as Russian land and so he wants to claim it and seize it, even though it was a sovereign nation, it wasn't his, takes it. And um, and then he's also looking for a buffer between him and NATO. Right. Um, wants to use Ukraine as this buffer so that they're not just rolling right into Moscow. But what he did, what he, he, he's claiming that 
he's doing that for the sake of his people. He even said that Ukraine was about to invade Russia, um, so they need to go and completely <laughs> yeah. blow up the whole country. Um, but so you have people like that that are engaged in warfare and, and so there are times that we can as a nation go to war with people um and the bible tells us that that the government has been given the ability the government's been given the sword by by the lord for the ability of of waging war for the purpose of peace right uh, i think that though gets into another question um which is just war. When does yeah. a war become just? And that is a different answer. Um, and then after, let's talk about just war, but then we need to look at biblical just war. Right. Um, but for just war, the question is, when is it just for a nation to go to war? So uh, take, for example, Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Was that a just war? What would your thoughts on that be? Um, I would say, so as far as Vietnam goes, you know, the question is, was it necessary for keeping peace, right? So the whole justification of going over there, if I'm not mistaken, was to keep communism out of right. Vietnam. Yeah. Um, now... That that's where <laughs> that's where it becomes a debatable topic. I would say, yeah. you know that. Um, but I think that at some point you've got to submit to that. You've got to you can't. Okay, so another example too would be like you know some of the stuff that United States did over in the Middle East for the sake of oil. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I wouldn't say that that's a just war because that has nothing to do with keeping peace. That's us trying to lower the cost of oil. Right. So what right? about Russia invading Ukraine? Well, Russia invading Ukraine, I would say on Russia's side, no, it's not a just war because they are aggressively going after land just for the sake of, of covetousness for the land. Okay. You know? So if I was going to play devil's advocate, though, and okay. say that that used to be Russian land. Mm -hmm. And then NATO took it away from them and they just want their land back. Yeah. Who are you to step in? <laughs> I mean, that's an interesting point. I mean, at this point though... Or if I was yeah. to say, why does America have any business in Vietnam fighting so that one side gains control over the other side? Right. Are we there justly? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think at some point in time, so you've got, I mean, you've obviously, you've got several ways of looking at that. On one hand, you've got um, the idea that America has got this massive, we have been given a massive sword. I mean, we've given, we've By got who? a very... Well, I think that the Lord has blessed us with the, with the, um, with the rich riches that we have to be able to put toward a military that has become very powerful. Okay. Do you think that um, it's God's desire for us to 
go to war with any nation for any reason or with any nation that has internal conflict? No. So when do we decide that it's just for us to do that or not? When, According to right, just and, and this most is people right. Um, I would say, well, I, again, I would say what most people would be saying is that when it becomes a threat to our own personal security. So okay. the idea that okay, so if, what would constitute a threat? So okay, so the idea that all right, if um. Let's say in Vietnam, and you know, let's just say that. What about the Gulf War? Let's use that. Well, I don't know a ton about the Gulf War. I haven't really studied that a ton. The Butcher of Baghdad. We got to go in and save Kuwait. Yeah. Um. You can use the other war. Yeah, I don't know a ton about the Gulf War. Hey, let's war. do World War Two. World War Two. There you go. That's a good one. All right. Um. So, World War Two. You've got. Number one, you've got this German force that is basically trying to occupy all of Europe. Yeah, them and Mussolini and and Mussolini, and you've got and and just so basically, you've got Stalin who's got his reasons because at the beginning Stalin was actually aligned with the Germans. Right. Um, you've got Mussolini who's got his interests, and you've also got Hitler who's got his interests. Yeah, and so. The United States, and this is pre... Obviously, this is pre-Japan. Okay. So, pre-Japan, you had people who were fighting to... Who were saying that we should go to war. It was actually a very interesting situation. <laughs> you had people saying we should go to war because if Germany and Italy and Russia get all of this power, if they seize basically everything in Europe, and it becomes theirs, they become a big, massive, powerful force that becomes an existential, an existential threat, even though they didn't necessarily say, we're going to take over this land, and then we're going to go and take over America, right? Okay. Um, you had the other side who was saying, well, that's going on in Europe, but it doesn't really affect us, and so how can we justify sending, sending men over there to go fight and die if we don't even know if that their plan is to even do anything about us. Right. You know what I mean? And then, of course, Japan hits Pearl Harbor, and then that becomes, obviously, okay, well, now we've got to fight because um, they've actually hit us, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, then, Germany declares war on us, and then that becomes that issue, too. If they've yeah. declared war on us, then we've got to fight, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so... All right, so what about what about the war in Iraq? Yeah. Um, was that a justifiable war? Um, we we're going over there for weapons of mass destruction. Weapons of mass destruction. See that that's where it that's that's the line that I'm treading, right? Because in one instance, you've got this idea. Okay, so the first when we first went over there after 9/11, I would say yes. Because okay. America was attacked. In right? Afghanistan. Right. Yeah. But then Iraq, you're saying. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ba we'll, see, get to, but he, we'll get to Afghanistan. Let's deal with Iraq, though. So we're in war with Afghanistan. Right. War on terror, right? And then right. um, then Saddam 
is going crazy on North Iraq, and mm-hmm. we need to go in there and finish what we started in the Gulf War, and we're going to take out Saddam because he's harboring weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. So that's, that is the same line, I would say, in a sense, that pre-1941 Americans were, were straddling because you had this idea that, you know, they hate us enough <laughs> to actually fire it on us. And because of their ideology, a lot of them, they don't care if they die. They don't care if okay. we blow them up, you know, back up. You know what I mean? So then, though, um, we get there and we figure out there are no weapons of mass destruction. Right. And that was in 2007? Mm-hmm. No, 2003. So that was in 2003. We. Like, I went over there in March. I was going to say, I was when you were over there. March of 2003. And then we figure out there are no weapons of mass destruction. And when did we leave Iraq? Do you know? Yeah, we left in uh, 2011. All right, so why did we stay so long? Um, I don't know. And that's why I think it's important to have an understanding of what makes a war just. Mm-hmm. So right now, if you listen to the news with, we're, what, a week in to Russia invading Ukraine, so everybody's talking about just war and is this just, is that just? Um, I think it's a really good time for believers to input what the Bible says about all of this because it really helps us have an understanding for all of the things that have been going on in our culture, once war breaks out, the things that have been important don't hold up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, people are saying Russia has no business going into Ukraine and they have no business killing all these people and they're committing all these war crimes and all of that. I think a good question to ask as a believer is, well, by what standard is what he's doing wrong? Right. You know, because if if we're looking at science and if we're holding to the science, quote unquote, and we're saying, okay, well, I believe in evolution and I believe that there is no God. I'm atheistic. I believe in evolution. I believe in the science. And... I think that we've all evolved into what we are and ultimately we have no inherent worth and dignity and value because we're all just, we come from the same substance. Then what does it matter that one person decides to kill a whole bunch of other people? If he's strong enough to do it, then why is it unjust for him to do so? And when you're looking at war and you're looking at death on a larger scale, people look at that and they unanimously see that that is wrong. Right. That should not happen. But by what standard should that not happen? And that's where you have to go back to a biblical worldview. Mm. You have to go back to a biblical standard because as a believer, we would agree that that is wrong, but we have a foundation for that. And the average person today looking at that saying he shouldn't be doing this, well, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, well, because it doesn't help further humanity, but it could help further his people under him. Right. You know what I mean? So um, that's why we've got to 
go back to scripture and have this biblical worldview and understanding. So when we're looking at war, war is something that happens because of sin and the fall. There are just wars, but what we were talking about is when does a war, when is a war just, when is a war unjust? Apart from scripture and a biblical understanding of just war, then I don't think that you can make a, a claim on when a war is just and unjust. Well, I you don't know? think you can make a claim on when anything's just and unjust. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, looking at war specifically, um, according to Scripture, biblical just war theory, and it's this, it's this idea, it's this theory of what should a biblical just war look like. Ultimately, um, it's for, and that's when I go back to when I was reading from the uh, Baptist Confession, the 1689, God, the Supreme Lord and King of all of the world, has ordained civil magistrates to be under him over the people. So God is King of kings, Lord of lords, and he has set up magistrates, mm -hmm. and they're under him. Just like in families, God has made the husband the pastor of the home. The wife submits to the leadership of the husband. He's the pastor of the home. He's responsible for his families. And um, and he is ruling over them. Same thing in the church. God's established the pastor who is the under-shepherd. Christ is the head shepherd. He is the shepherd of the flock. And he has established pastors to be under-shepherds. The pastor has authority to preach God's word, but he's preaching God's word, mm -hmm. right? So same thing. You see this establishment um, ordaining these things under him over the people for what purpose for his own glory and the public good. And to this end, he has armed them with the power of the sword for defense and encouragement of them that do good and for the punishment of evildoers. So God has given us government for the purpose of defending us and harming evildoers. Um, that is what the government is here for. They're to defend us and for our good and to punish evildoers. So theoretically, a just war happens when we are defending ourselves. If somebody attacks us, then we can defend ourselves. If somebody um, is posing a significant threat where we have to act offensively for the purpose of defense then you have a just war, right? Um, and this is, but the problem gets tangled when you have a government that's not submitting to the word and they're not submitting to scripture and they're not submitting to God's law. Um, so when you have somebody like Putin who is wanting to do these things and he has the being an autocrat, so then he's making this and he's using a claim. Well, we have to defend ourselves. Ukraine's about to invade us, but there's no evidence, evidence for that. that yeah. um, but so the way that our government is set up is we have the president who is the commander in chief, but then we also have the Senate and the House. And if he decides he's going to declare war, he has to go to the House and the Senate and he has to lay out the reason that he's wanting to do that. 
and it's set up to be able to show that this is a just war. Here's the reasoning, and we're doing it for our defense. Because what we're doing when we go to war with a country is we're putting our people in danger. We're putting men and women that are in the military in danger. And so if we're going to a place to – so like World War II, for example, um, we're going to go help them because we're helping our allies because – Germany is is getting stronger and stronger, and at some point, they're going to become a direct threat to us. So now, so with World War II, would it have been just? So would it have been just for us to enter the war prior to the prior to Pearl Harbor? I would say would no. You say? No, biblically, I would say no. Okay. Um. Then, like, I mean, a, a great example is with the Middle East. So yeah. Afghanistan. We went over there. Um, bin Laden attacked us. Mm-hmm. We went over there, and we were at war with Al-Qaeda, right? Um, Al-Qaeda teamed up with the Taliban. We're at war with Al-Qaeda. Once that was destroyed, and ultimately it's this grassroots thing, so you're never going to fully stamp it out, right? Mm-hmm. But but once the, the heads were destroyed, we should have pulled out of Afghanistan, we are not in the nation building game or yeah. we shouldn't be biblically. We don't have the authority to go over somewhere and say, Hey, we're going to protect you guys. We're going to give you our assistance. Um, especially when they're not willing to submit to what it looks like to be uh, an American, you know, they want American right. uh, military might to come and defend them. But then well, I don't – so like a, a good example, when we were in – so Desert Storm mm-hmm. in the – nine. what was it, 93? Mm-hmm. So Desert Storm, we went over there to liberate Kuwait because um, Iraq had invaded Kuwait. And so we go over there, but when we were there, they were saying uh, – the Kuwaitis were saying, your military can't celebrate Christmas while they're here. That's against our religious belief. So you've got a nation that's saying, we want you to come and send troops to fight for us and defend us, but you don't have the freedom to practice your own right. beliefs, you know? Um, so I, I, things like that, I think we're doing it because when there's trouble in the Middle East, then oil prices skyrocket or there's uncertainty with that and we're dependent on that and all of that. I, I don't think that that's a reason for justly going to war right um because then you get into the arena of anything that could cost us financially we have the ability to go to war for them right you know so if somebody's if putin starts tampering with stocks well now i can go to war with russia because it's affecting us financially right and that's a threat to us as a, a nation I would say that does not hold up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, so there is this potential, because if that was the case, then any country could justly go to war with us because we're the largest right. might in the Everything, world. Everything, every currency, <laughs> the the value of the dollar affects every single currency right. in the well, world. Well, not only that, though, but if... So, like, looking at... World War II saying mm-hmm. before Pearl Harbor, we should go to war because you've got this guy that's just grabbing up all this land and power, and that's going to pose a threat 
to us in the future. Well, we have all of this might and power and could pose a threat to anybody in the world. You know what I mean? So just because somebody's big and strong doesn't mean they pose a threat to us. There's going to be wars that are fought in Africa. There's going to be wars that are fought in the Middle East. There's going to be wars that are fought in Europe. And, And so I don't see where there's uh biblically a just reason for us to go and to play referee all around the world. Yeah. I don't think that's uh, okay, a so, wise thing. So yeah, but that, I I do want to say though, yeah. with all of this, what we're talking about, this does not affect the the men and women that are in the military. Right. And that are going. Um I am a combat veteran. I was in first ranger battalion and I have been in war and I support people that are in the military. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, you know, um, we should be mad at the military people. This is more of a governmental thing. So like when you're looking at Russia and you're looking at Ukraine and then you're looking at America and you're looking at NATO, really all of these players are corrupt. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to get money. Mm-hmm. And then there's the war is a, a multi-billion dollar industry like oh, yeah. when nations go to war lots of people make lots of money yeah not lots of people but people make well, lots world of war, money world war Two helped out the united states from the great depression right i mean but so there's when there's a war that helps make people a bunch of money yeah so when you're looking at politicians politicians make money off of war you know um so when we're looking at the governments at play with what's going on now, there's a lot of people that are guilty with what's going on. Mm -hmm. So you've got Ukraine, Biden, his son made tons of money in Ukraine. Right. You know, um, there, there are people that have made a lot of money off of Ukraine. Um, and now Russia's invading Ukraine and we're not going in to defend them militarily, you know, um, we took their nukes after the USSR fell apart. Mm-hmm. They had nukes that were there. And we said, hey, if you give us those, we'll always defend you. Well, <laughs> that's not happened. Right. Um, and, I, and I'm not saying that it should, but I'm saying that should have never been a right. promise that was made in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's. I think we've stuck our neck out so far on the world stage that it's hard to... Once your neck's out so far, you can't pull it back fast enough. You right. know what I mean? So the men and women that are in the military, I, I love them. I support them. I'm thankful for them. Uh, I was one of them. And so I get that. I'm not talking about that. Um, it goes back to those, that umbrella of authority, those circles. You know, the ones that are making the decisions are the ones that are held accountable for this. Right. And, um, and, and so that's what we've got to understand too. So as a people – there's a call, uh, the third chat, the third, um, paragraph in this, it says that civil magistrates being set up by God for the end aforesaid subjection in all lawful things commanded by them ought to be yielded by us in the Lord, not only for wrath, but for conscience sake. And we ought to make supplications and prayers for Kings and all that are in authority that under them we may live quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. Like that should be the prayer of every believer. We should be praying for our leaders. 
we should be praying for the world leaders and ultimately that God is ruling and moving through them. You can see in scripture where God uses nations to bring judgment on other nations. Right. Uh, look at Israel, God's people. You had Assyria that came through. You had the Medo-Persian Empire that came through. You had um, Alexander the Great that came through. You had Rome that came through. Like God used these other nations to bring judgment yeah. on Israel. And we see that happening in the world too. So there are good leaders and there are bad leaders all are moving about. Um, what is it? Is it Psalms that say the men plot, but God laughs mm -hmm. and, you know, like God is moving people around like pawns on a chessboard. Right. And his will is going to come to fruition, you mm -hmm. know? So what we need to be doing is praying for these leaders and praying that the Lord will ultimately bring peace through these governments because that's the purpose of government, right? He yeah. set it up to bring peace to people, but sin is a real thing. And with power comes a, a sinful desire to want more and want more. So what we need to be praying for as Christians is leaders that are subservient to God's leadership. They understand that they've been put there by God. And really as the church too, we need to be speaking to our leaders in such a way that you have this authority, but it's been given to you by God and ultimately you're under God. Right. So when we have leadership that's rejecting God, a lot of what we're seeing turmoil in the world right now is because of poor leadership on the world stage. So we got a lot of people that are in leadership that shouldn't be there. You know and, what I mean? And not just our country. I mean, right. including our well, country. Well, our country, yes, but, but a lot of other yeah, countries as well. Right. And um, Very uh, peculiar time. It is. <laughs> well, and, and so war like this is bound to happen. Right. Because you have a lot of people that are lusting over lots of things and mm -hmm. they want to take it by force, yeah. you know? And, and But that's part of sin. There's right. going to be that. So as Christians in this world, we can join the military and we can fight, uh, but we do so under the authority of God. And we submit to God first and then we have submit to other people. So that passage that I read uh, in Corinthians, no, in Romans 13, God has established the magistrate. We submit to them as we submit to the Lord. But then when do we stop submitting to them? So and, that, yeah, that was going to be my next kind of... yeah thing is all right so we have established that those in the military um who are fighting are fighting under under the umbrella of their nation and those who are in authority over them so when they kill people it's not they are not guilty of murder right, right? and this is what gets brought up a lot so the nazis yeah right you the the big and the, the big question of the day post-World War II was what do we do with the Nazi soldiers who committed heinous war crimes right. at the, you know, command of their leaders? Right. Is there a point at which the soldier um, is guilty? Yeah, so there's personal yeah. culpability. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, if you look at a marriage... 
if I am a female and I'm a follower of Christ and I'm married to a non-follower of Christ, I submit to him because just like the church submits to Christ, right? That's my, my role is in submission, Mm -hmm. right? Just like Christ's role is in submission to the father. He's not any less than the father. His role was to submit to the father, right? Um, And the wife's role is to submit to the husband. And like think of dance partners, you have a lead and then you have uh, the, the male is the lead and then the, the female follows. If both were trying to take lead in dancing, it's not this beautifully orchestrated thing. Right. It's this mess, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's a marriage, right? The husband leads, the wife submits. Uh, I'm a, a follower of Christ female, married to a non-follower of Christ male. I'm submitting to him as submitting to the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. If he then has me do something that would be unbiblical, where I'm now... Um, not able to submit to him and the Lord because he's calling me to do. So he says, not only am I not going to church, but you're not going to church anymore either. Mm -hmm. I don't like when you go. Well, I've got to submit to the Lord, you know? And so I'm going to seek after the Lord and I'm also going to love you and respect you and all of that. But on Sundays, I'm going to go to church and while I'm there, I'm going to be praying for your salvation. You know, Um, I love you and all of that, but um, I, I love the Lord and this is what he's called me to do, be a member of the body of Christ, all of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so there comes a point then when that lady has to decide, am I going to follow this person that I'm under submission to, or am I going to follow Christ? You know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's the same thing for, for military soldiers. Um, I can be going and doing something that I've been called to do by the government but then what do I do when they say, okay, now I want you to just shoot all of these women and children because mm-hmm. we want to make a statement, you know? Um, well, at that point, I've got to make a moral choice as an individual. Am I going to submit to this or am I not? Right. And so you can still sin against God in a war that could be a just war. Uh, you're there for a just purpose, but then now am I going to do this order that I was given. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, and and people in our military have to, to deal with this right now. Mm -hmm. Um, people can still, you can be in the military and be a follower of Christ, but you have to be a follower of Christ. So in the military now, am I going to continue to share the gospel with people? Um, you know, the, the military is going white military is going woke, uh, military is enforcing all kinds. A lot of people with the vaccine mandate were like, right. you know, okay, I'm being mandated to get this shot. Am I going to do it or am I not going to do it? And um, and that's a personal choice that everybody has to make. And people made that and some people fought it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it we are in an individual relationship with Christ. Right. And that comes before the submission. So with Romans 13, submit to our government, submit to the leadership. Uh, I hear people have said before, well, what do you do when your government's a a bad government? You know, um, when Paul said that he's talking to the people that are under Roman rule, he was a bad 
leader to submit to. Right. But he's still saying submit to him. Um, but then what does that look like? Paul was ultimately beheaded for not submitting to him. Mm-hmm. You know? So did he break what he was saying? No, he did not. We submit to the government that's been put over us until we can't submit to them. Right. right? So because God is the head of the government. Same thing with the church. We submit to the authority of a pastor in as much as what he's teaching is scripture. If a pastor steps outside of that, so if I'm preaching and I'm a pastor of a church and I'm preaching the word and I'm saying, here's what the Bible says about this, people have to submit to that. Mm -hmm. If I then say, you know what, from now on, we are never going to wear suits. All the guys have to wear flip-flops and board shorts to church. And I'm mandating that, you know, I have no authority to do that. Mm -hmm. And then the church can then say, you're not doing what the Bible says. This is from your own personal opinion. And we're not going to submit to that. We can't. So you're gone and we're going to find somebody that's going to teach the word. That's the responsibility of the people. Mm -hmm. Our, our government leaders are set up by the people and we're voting for people that we're going to submit to, you know? And so if our leadership in government is somebody that we can't submit to, then we still have the ability to put somebody there that we can. Now our culture's shifting, and so that's harder. So the church needs to be fighting cultural thought, mm-hmm. and we, we need to be uh, engaging people in the public square, fighting culture with the truth of the gospel. Um, but as Christians, we submit to our leadership in as much as we can, and then on matters that we can't, then we don't. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And 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 so know. it's the same thing for a soldier. Right. I submit to my leadership in as much as I can, and then when I can't, I don't. Right. And and that could be costly, you know. But yeah. that's that's um that's what we're called to. Mm-hmm. You know, it was costly for the early church too to say Jesus is Lord, and then they're put in the Colosseum or they're beheaded or whatever happens mm-hmm. to them, you know? Um, so, um, so I think to tie all of this back into what's going on in the world today. And like I said, looking at Russia invading Ukraine, there's a lot of people on the news that are saying, look what Putin's doing. This is unjust. This is un- uncalled for. Um, and you've got this madman that's just going out and killing these people. They attack this sovereign nation. Really, on the governmental levels, the people that are running all of this stuff, I'm sure none of them are blameless. Everybody's right. guilty at some point because a lot of the politics on the world stage, lots of people are doing lots of things for the purpose of gaining more power and more money. And so a lot of those people are guilty. Um, When you look at the Ukrainian people that are getting their guns and they're going out and fighting, a lot of those people are valiant and courageous Mm -hmm. and they're inspiring to people. Um, And and so I'm not saying that they're guilty, um, but I'm just saying that there's on the magistrate level that there's a lot of guilt when it comes to things like this. There's gray areas, you know. But the question that we need to be asking as Christians with all of this conversation that's going on is 
how do we define just war? How do we define justice at all? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, apart from Scripture, you can't have justice. Apart from God's Word, apart from God creating us and breathing life into us and establishing a covenant with us, apart from all of that happening, there is no just war. There is no unjust war. All you've got is the stardust that has evolved into people, and these are wanting to kill these. And so that's no different than this lion tribe in Africa fighting this lion tribe. It's just bound to happen, and the stronger one's going to win. And we're not going to condemn these lions for beating those lions or this lion for wanting that lion's property. Yeah. You know, um, you've just basically got the animal kingdom on a larger scale with weapons and all of that. But yeah. ultimately, you can't define what's right and wrong. You wouldn't say that this, tr- uh, what are they called? Pride. Pride. Yeah. You got this lion pride. You wouldn't say that this pride of lions is unjust mm-hmm. and this pride of lions is just. Right. You know, a lot of the documentaries today try to make it that way. They mm-hmm. create this storyline and get you attached to this certain pride of lions. And then, oh, these big mean lions come in and then they're, these are the unjust they, lions they and they're killing atta- these baby yeah. lions. You know what I mean? They get you um, attached to a gazelle. Right, exactly. And then the lion comes and yeah, <laughs> eats it. Yeah. You're just like, oh. <laughs> but ultimately, if we hold to evolution, if we hold to atheism, if we're, you know, that if, if God did not create all of this for a purpose and with order, then it doesn't matter. And we can't condemn Putin. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so that's where we as Christians need to be speaking into this. What has been important in the American culture for the last several years, it really isn't important. And, right. and people are starting to see that and they're starting to see, huh, well, maybe if we're taking God out of all of this stuff. Um, if, if the most important thing is gender rights or a woman's right to choose, if that's what's the most important, then none of that speaks to this war being unjust. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But the Bible does. The, right. the Bible speaks to all of it. So we can condemn Putin for what he's doing as being unjust, but we can also condemn abortion for being unjust. Right. And we can condemn... Somebody who says that I was, my child was born male and now wants to be female. So there are transition clinics in America. Um, and what they'll do is they will meet with a, a three-year-old male and say the parents want that child to transition to female. They'll meet with that three-year-old and they'll start talking to them. What do you feel about this? What do you feel about that? What are your thoughts when you have this? And, and then they'll start telling them, okay, um, now you are a female, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then they'll have their teachers refer to them as a female at school and they'll have their friends refer to them as a female and their parents. And they'll do this for a while until they get comfortable with that. And then they're dressing like a female and then they'll ultimately do a, a transition surgery mm-hmm. for them. You know, they stop their, their hormones, they block their hormones at like age 10, 11, 12, they'll do hormone blockers and uh, give them estrogen and all of that. And and then they'll do transition transition surgeries on them. That's just as evil. You right. know, that's just as unjust as what Putin's doing. And, and the reason for all of that is because we were created in God's image for his glory. Right. He's determined male and female, he created us. 
and he's established governments for the purpose of protecting people and all of mankind is is God's creation created for his glory with inherent worth and dignity and value. Right. You know? So we can condemn Putin just like we could condemn slavery, just like we can condemn abortion, just like we can condemn transgender movement, just like we can condemn all of that because God loves people the way that he made them for his purposes, ultimately for his glory. Mm-hmm. You know? And so the Christians have a voice. So uh, kind of our reasoning for doing this podcast today is when you're hearing all of these talks that are going on right now to speak into that and go back to by what standard? Why do we say that this is wrong? Yeah. Because uh, we agree it is wrong, but only by the biblical standard is it wrong. Mm-hmm. Any other standard, it's not wrong. It's just an act that's happening. Yeah. Just like this pride of lions attacking that pride of lions. Yeah. So if you do listen to this and you're in the military, we appreciate you. Thank you for your service mm-hmm. and for all that you're doing. We're praying for you, uh, praying for our leadership in our country, praying for the leadership around the world. Um, we ultimately desire to see all people submit to the authority of Christ. He yeah. has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we want to pray for our leadership that they will help us to live lives of peace so that we can live our lives honoring and glorifying Christ. That's right. our ultimate prayer. Um, so we pray for that to happen. In the meantime, keep reading the word so that we can let it be what helps us um, work through what's going on in culture. Yeah. Well, if you're still here, we appreciate you. If you want to connect with us, we got the link to all of our all the things locust and honey we got the link to our link tree in the show notes and i hope that you're having a good lord's day and we will see you next week yep bye-bye bye-bye